0: today we are bringing to a close our series about the laws of the kingdom of God. And as we've been looking at these different spiritual laws that are also very tangible and that we see uh, all around us every day, I don't think that there's a one of them that is more obvious and that's underscored more than any other than the law of his return and his reign. It's just like everything else, it's imprinted in his creation. And as we uh, look at his word, and as we look around us, we see that this law is just fulfilling itself. Inexorably, we are moving toward the time whenever the Lord will return. In fact, they've been looking for his return ever since he left. In fact, Paul told uh, uh, some of uh, the church members that he was writing to one time that, uh, you know, we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we shall join with, him, with them uh, and, and go into the sky and meet him in the sky. And so this is one of the things that we're moving toward. The time when the Lord returns with a shout and uh, the church is taken out, then some other things take place and he comes uh to earth to rule and to reign and to move things forward to where his kingdom will once again be established the way that it should be. His let's face it, his return is inevitable. There's no stopping it. There've been lots of people who've tried to stop it. Even uh there was a time when all missionary activity just about ceased because church leaders got worried because Jesus said that when the gospel was preached in all the corners of the world, then the end would come. And church leaders at that point in history didn't want the end to come. They wanted to hang around. And so they just put the brakes on missionary activity because they thought they could put off the end that way. But even the even church leaders cannot stop this inexorable moving toward the fact that he is going to come again. And instead... We're supposed to be like the church at the end of the book of Revelation, where it says, even so, Lord Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus. That should be our prayer. As we look around today and we see all the things that are going wrong in the world and more and more wrong all the time, it seems. Oh, it's just, it just magnifies the fact that we were created by God and this longing within us for things to not be the way they are underscores the fact that there's a hope within us for something better. And that something better isn't going to be brought about by us being better and better. It's going to be brought about the way that God has determined that it be brought about And that is through the spreading of the gospel and then ultimately through his return and him reigning and ruling. Two different occasions this past week, I read about little children being killed by parents. And uh, whenever something like that comes out, you see it just screams at us. This just isn't right. And when we see something like that, it helps us to see that we're not getting better and better humanity's not evolving into better creatures in fact it's just getting worse and worse and uh one of the things it said is that the last days that people would be without natural affection and that's the affection of parent toward child that's just going away it's so sad but it like again it just confirms that within us There is this hope for something better. It's imprinted in us. We want the Lord's way on earth. We just don't want it to be in our lives right now. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And so we have to choose which way we're going to go. We're going to go the Lord's way. We're going to go our way. And so uh, we wrap up things today looking at just how inevitable this return is. It's been foretold for thousands of years through God's word. Uh, Just as the Old Testament writers foretold his birth and his death and his resurrection many hundreds of years before they happen, they also foretold the return of Jesus. And of those things, his returns, the only one that hasn't happened yet. Uh, So, uh, Uh, because they were uh, spot on about his birth, his death, and his resurrection, we can be sure that they're also going to be right about his return and reign. The writer of Deuteronomy, Moses talked about this in 1445 BC. The prophet Joel talked about it around 800 BC. Amos was predicting it 750 BC, Isaiah, 700 BC, Jeremiah, around 580 BC, Zechariah, around 470 BC. Before he even came, his return was being uh, prophesied. And uh, Jesus has promised it. He promised it. And just as he promised to rise from the dead after three days, You know, he kept that promise. We can count on him keeping his promise to come and to return. So uh, he quoted the Old Testament about his return, uh, the same as he quoted them about his death and his resurrection. And so it's all there in black and white before us, if we want to see it there. And his apostles talk about it in their epistles to the churches a lot. And we know that they received a lot of information uh, about his return from him, especially in the 40 days after he rose from the dead. You know, they really listened then they had to, I mean, for 40 days he spent with them. And one of the main things he did, he explained to them and showed them how all the things in the old Testament had to come to pass. And then he let them know what was coming. And so they've shared that with us. And we do well to heed what they say because they got what they're sharing with us from him. Uh, Now, we are witnessing uh, the fulfillment of this law daily. Uh, Just listen to what it says in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. But realize this that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to a form of godliness although they have denied its power and here's what Paul tells us to do about that avoid such people as these then Peter in his second epistle says this we read this this morning earlier The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, there are these people that say, well, I just don't believe in a God that's going to send anybody to hell. He doesn't send anyone to hell. He wants everyone to be with him in heaven. And he is trying to get our attention. He reaches out. He reaches out. Even after the church is taken out, he's going to continue to reach out to the lost that are left behind. He's going to continue to reach out all through revelation. People don't seem to see this. They think that after the rapture, it's all over. They don't have a chance. No, they're going to have second chances and third chances and fourth chances even, because all the bad stuff that's going to come about after the church has been taken out is to get the attention of those that wouldn't pay any attention so that they might repent. And some of them are going to be so hard-hearted toward God That they will do anything but repent. Even though there are going to be angels flying around at one point, I mean, it's going to go from a Jewish evangelist to angels flying around proclaiming the gospel. There will be, and there will be those that are suffering and all they have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. And their suffering would stop. And yet they would just be crying out for the rocks to fall on them because they'd rather just die than Repent and be the Lord's. That's just that's the way the end times are going to be looking. But it's not because God isn't reaching out to them. It's because they just don't want to have anything to do with Him. But uh, we don't want to be in that number, do we? I know I don't, and I don't want anybody I know to be in that number. I don't want anyone that I love to be in that number. But uh, anyway. He says that, uh, well, I'm just going to move on. But we know and we're watching and we're waiting. And so what should we be doing right now? This is the most important thing to me. I mean, this is a given. It's going to happen. And the Lord tells us what we're supposed to be doing now. And so that's what I want to share with you more than anything else. We're to do three things. Scripture tells us to be about three things all the time that we're left here on the face of this earth. First of all, we're to watch faithfully. Next, we're to work diligently. And lastly, we're to wait peacefully. Now, I want to just unpack those a little bit. First of all, the Lord has said repeatedly that we're to watch for his coming. A lot of the parables, like I was sharing last week, a lot of the parables are about a master that's gone away. He's entrusted things to the people uh, uh, that were under his charge. And then he comes back and there's a reckoning and there's an accounting and those who have been faithful in following his wishes and his will, they're going to be blessed. And those that knew what they wanted the Lord to do, what they, what their master wanted them to do, and have paid no attention to it and refused, they're not going to be blessed. Let's just put it that way. It's going to be bad for them. In those parables, it talks about, the come. that's what he was warning people about, was the return and how we needed to be ready when he returns. That's what the parable of the bridesmaids is about. That's what so many of the parables is about. Watching and waiting and being ready for his return. Don't be slack. Wait patiently and watch. Watch. Specific instruction, he says, keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. But we're to do more than just pray as we watch. We are to stand fast in the faith with courage and strength. We're to watch soberly, arming ourselves with faith and love and salvation and as we watch, and whenever we say watch, we're not talking about just standing around saying, "Man, that sure looks bad." That's not what it means by watching. It means be on the lookout, be alert, be in and anticipating his return. Just like if you are expecting company, there comes a point when they can show up at any minute and you keep your ear tuned toward the door, don't you? That's what he means about watching. Be ready to welcome the Lord when he returns. You know, be, be ready to, uh, to, to be joyful and to uh, enjoy what's going to be happening at that moment. So uh, we're to watch in that way. Uh, we're to watch soberly. We're to remain aware of false prophets. We're to discern the spirits. And we're supposed to be rejecting soundly all who do not confess Jesus Christ uh, and in confessing that he is God in the flesh. Jo- Jesus spoke to John in a vision and he gave this great promise to those who remain watchful. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Okay, so we're to watch and we're also to work. What are we supposed to be doing in the meantime? Why does Jesus leave us here on Earth after He saves us? Have you ever wondered that? Don't you think it'd be you'd think it'd be great if whenever we were saved we went straight on to heaven? Don't you think that would be nice? But that's just not the way that God has set things up. Why aren't we born again, then immediately taken to the Lord's presence? Because our work has just begun. Once you're saved, you have stepped into his kingdom and you are a light in the world. And he is wanting you to be reaching out to those around you and calling them into his kingdom. First of all, he calls us to win souls. He calls us to be the Lord's witnesses, telling of the love of God and the atoning death of Jesus Christ. We are to testify about what he's done in our own lives, both with our words and by our our example. I know lots of times whenever I talk to people about, quote, witnessing, unquote, people don't even like to hear that word, you know, because and they say that they're scared. They're afraid to witness why? If the Lord has done something wonderful for you, if you were lost and your life was dark and all of a sudden you have life and you have light, you're going to want to share it with other people. You're not going to be timid about that. You're going to I share my story all the time. Uh, and it's just amazing. I never hear anybody say, Well, you should be talking like that. Instead, they say, wow, wow. And then I make it clear that what the Lord's done for me, he can do for them, too. It should be an exciting thing to get to share the joy of the Lord with someone else. It's not scary. It's as natural as breathing for those who have come to know him and uh, who are his but that's one of the first things that we're supposed to be doing while we're left here is we're supposed to be testifying about what he's done for us and in us. And so long as there remains a soul on this earth that hasn't heard the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have and we have work to do. Uh, we talked about the rapture. You know, one of the, if you don't know of any other way to start a conversation about Jesus, and you say, if you have somebody that you love and you want to talk to them about the Lord, you could start out in a very generous way. I heard one guy uh, there was in a song I heard a long time ago. Uh, you might just go up to them, especially if they liked your car, you know. So now I've been thinking about this. And, you know, the Lord's going to be coming back any moment now. And I just want you to know, in case the rapture happens, you can have my car. Now, don't you think that'd start a conversation (laughs) you didn't say i'm going to heaven you're going to hell that's not what you said (laughs) all you said was i know i'm leaving and uh i won't be leaving this cool car but you can have it that's then there's a what do you mean you know then that'll start the conversation okay now, I remember hearing one guy talk about, he, he just really had grasped the saving souls. He said, whenever the rapture happens, I want to be able to grab one sinner by the hair in one hand, one sinner and the hair by the other, and as we're, plum, as we're heading skyward, I'm going to say, now, do you repent or do I let go? <laughs> don't think that one through because I don't know what happens if, if they wouldn't repent and he let go. Wouldn't that be murder? <laughs> then I don't know what happened to him, but he might go with them. But anyway, that's so don't think that one through. It's just an illustration, you know, but uh, uh, not thought through too well. But uh, anyway, so we, are, we have work to do. And the first part of that work is sharing the gospel. And there are ways to get that started. I mean, Just getting on an elevator sometime. You know, say, you know, one of these days, we're not going to stop on the third floor. We're just going to keep on going. You know, It might scare them to death, but uh, then you'll start a conversation about the time whenever the believers in Christ are going to go to head out. You know, there are just different ways to start that conversation. Another way to start it, if you're standing by an elevator somewhere and somebody beside you just goes... That's an invitation to share the gospel. Did you know that? But you don't start by just saying, you better repent or Jesus is going to... You know That's not the way you start. That deep sigh lets you know that there's something wrong that somebody wants to talk about. And all you have to say is, is everything okay? And they're probably going to spew all over you with what's not okay. And when they do, then you can minister to them. You can, uh, you can say, well, you know, there's not much I can do for you, but I know someone that can. And then you can talk to them about the Lord. There are all different sorts of ways and opportunities that are there for you every day. So uh, we are to uh, watch and we are to work. And the second part of uh, working is uh, we need to be working on ourselves. Because we are going to continue, that we need to be open to the Holy Spirit working on us. We're to grow spiritually, developing an ever-increasing intimacy with the Lord. None of us fully lives up to our spiritual uh, potential. Let's face it; we all have room to grow. We all have a growing edge. You've heard me talk about that. In those areas where we discover that we're unlike Christ, uh, we need to be working with the Holy Spirit to become conformed to His likeness. We need to, we're supposed to be being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as we're open to Him and His will in our lives, that will happen. Our inner hurts and our emotions need to be healed. So much sin in our lives comes from pain from the past and from unforgiveness and areas where we need the Lord wants us to be freed from things in our past so we can live in the present and look forward to the future. We need to grow in spiritual discernment and in the wisdom of God. Our faith needs to be strengthened and used so that our prayers and our actions more effectively build up the lord's kingdom so we're to watch we're to work and at the same time we have to wait i hate waiting don't you just hate to wait you know whenever you you know i don't care what they usually is if it's something good why can't it just happen now if it's something bad <sighs> anyway, but it's just hard to wait sometimes. Either way, whether we're waiting for something good or something bad, waiting isn't easy, let's face it. And impatience, let's face it, though, often leads to frustration. Waiting can cause a buildup of fear. And the longer something is anticipated and doesn't happen, the greater our concern grows that it will ever happen. And that can degenerate into worry over what might happen. And fear is only a step away. But you know what? When Jesus was on his way and the night that he was born, the first announcement that was made was an announcement of peace to the earth at Jesus' first coming. More than 400 times in Scripture, the Lord says that we're not to fear, but to enjoy peace. The prophet Isaiah referred to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Throughout his ministry, the Lord spoke of peace, and he spoke peace. He spoke peace to the woman with the issue of blood. He said, go in peace. To a stormy sea, he said, peace be still and to his disciples he said my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you the lord calls us to do this watching and this working and this waiting in a joyful anticipatory peace we're supposed to be waiting in peace for his return now let's face it apart from jesus there is no peace i like the sign that you see on church billboard sometime no k-n-o-w jesus no k-n-o-w peace n-o no jesus n-o no peace that is so true so true the thing is It's not within a human heart, and it's not among human beings or nations without Jesus. With Jesus, we can experience peace that passes our rational capacity and settles deep within our hearts. We're to seek and we're to find this peace as we wait for the Lord's return. Do you know him? Do you know that peace? do you when the lord comes will he find you among those who love him and call him savior and lord when the lord comes will he find you doing what he's commanded you to do and notice i'm saying when the lord comes not if the lord comes he is coming so when the lord comes will he find you eager to see him? When the Lord comes, will he find you ready for his appearing? When the Lord comes, when he calls with a shout from heaven, will you instantly rise to be with him? When the Lord appears in the clouds, will your heart rejoice with exceeding joy? Well, let me tell you, you have it within your grasp to answer each one of these questions positively. How will you choose to respond to the Lord's challenges in your life, I ask? The fact is, all of creation shouts it. He is coming again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.